Hey, this is Rob. This is episode 71 of the Folly Coffee Podcast. Let's get it brewing. All right. Sup, dude? Super on schedule day. Uh, yeah. On time, per usual, both of us. Uh, yeah. First, I was late trying to drop off some uh, some hot sauce at the distributor, and then your meeting ran late, yeah. and then I show up here, and there's construction happening, and like loud music, so if you hear drills and or live music in the background, it's not, uh, we didn't open a, a music venue, uh, we didn't change the podcast studio, it's just, this is what's happening today, and we're embracing it, but we are doing... As they say, embrace the suck. <laughs> embrace the suck. We are doing today. I should mention, I don't even think I mentioned that. I'm here with Yia Thing, nationally renowned chef. You may have seen his food feature on the cover of Bon Appetit magazine, future proprietor of V9, uh, current proprietor of Union Mung Kitchen, adapting, uh, adjusting, and improvising during this year, popping all over the place, but currently doing takeout at Union Mung. And we are doing the second ever Folly Coffee podcast debate. The first. Which one was it? <laughs> which, one, which one? You guys did it one already? I did a coffee debate with CJ. Formerly, oh, at the yeah. time he was at Up Coffee, uh, he is now head roaster over at Spy, Spy House. House. Yeah. And so we did a coffee debate, and it was an absolute blast, and people really enjoyed it. And so I, te- I texted you, and it was like, we need to do a food debate, because so many things are coming up. And I'm just, we, we went on this insane text chain of, of just like, nonsensical questions about food yeah i think that there are some deep food questions that we need to answer i will tell you the 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 one that has stuck with us most seems to be could an uncrustable so for those not familiar with an uncrustable it is a peanut butter and jelly sandwich where the outsides instead of a crust it is just pressed down yeah is it could it be technically ravioli? Uncooked ravioli. Uncooked ravioli. And I've, I've been farming that one around. I've been getting- I have too, and a lot of people said yes. And everybody I've said has said no. Think, oh, why? Because they said it's not pasta dough. It's a dough. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's a dough. But it's a bread dough so made from what, wheat. At what point does a bread dough become a pasta dough? And is there- How a, about this one? How about this? Okay. Here, how about this? Uh, a pierogi is that a ravioli? Now we're getting there because it's a pasta dough. That is a that there's a stuffing. Interesting. Is that uh, wh- wait? What background is that? Polish? Is that yeah. a Polish ravioli? Yeah. And see it. And is, this a, is, is a pot sticker a ravioli? <laughs> you can see what inspired this podcast. Do you, do, do you know what I'm saying? Because it's yes. like if you're so definite on one definition, if you're so like, hey man, like this on a ravioli, it's like, dude, chill out. Is it though? Like what are, are, are is a ravioli the components or is it the nation that it's made in or or it's the I guess the ethnicity that it comes out of and see I, I it, this is going to come up later in this episode with some of the topics we have we are going to keep the same format as last time with yeah. CJ of bringing up topics mm. we're going to say is it overrated is it underrated we are then going to see if we agree disagree mm-hmm. and then either debate or just. Agree to disagree. Expound on if if we both yeah. agree, then we will just expound yeah. on the topic and explain why. But I'm excited for this, bro. I actually want to start on a rant because okay. one of the questions that you brought up, and I actually heard you talking about it with David on the White on Rice podcast. Mm-hmm. Shout out White on Rice podcast, he is podcast <laughs> with David, uh, David Crab, and it is a great one. One of the things came up: Can a burger? 
be any type of meat or does oh, it have yeah. to be beef? And mm-hmm. this one bothered me because the second you asked it, the first thing that came to mind is to go, wait, why is it called a hamburger in the mm-hmm. first place? And so I did a real quick search yep. of the topic and I have determined that a hamburger can only be a hamburger if it is beef. Mm-hmm. So according From to my... Hum- Humburg? From Hamburg, Germany, where in 19th century sailors brought back Mm -hmm. raw shredded beef Mm -hmm. after trading with the Baltic provinces of Russia. Mm -hmm. And so burger isn't a type of meat. It's referring to the location of Hamburg, Mm -hmm. Germany. Mm -hmm. And so by that argument, I think it can only be beef because it's named the hamburger, which is Mm -hmm. the location that the beef was brought Mm. back. But But then is it okay to say like a salmon burger? You're essentially taking the second half of a location right. and then just jamming salmon in front of it. Mm-hmm. So, of course, burger has become its own thing. Mm-hmm. But that would be like, I don't know, if if, if you if something was like the min- – that, that wouldn't be a good one. I was going to say Minnesota or – but like, <laughs> all right, let, let, Detroiter. Let's yeah. say something's a Detroiter. Mm-hmm. And then over time, it's a Detroiter. And then you're like, this is a salmon troiter. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think that it's a salmon patty. It's a shrimp patty, and then it's it, a chicken patty. Exactly, so it's a pork you, patty. Are, are you going to say a chicken sandwich is a yeah. burger? Is it is it a beef patty? No, it's a hamburger. Yeah, it's got to be beef, and then every anything mm-hmm. else is really just a sandwich with hamburger buns. And so that's what you can. Say. So I get to be more of a purist too. Okay, to me, a hamburger is just ground beef. You can't mix in anything. So, like one of my roommates Ooh. in college, he would. And, and this is like old school Wisconsin, right? So his mom, because they, they own an Angus beef farm. So it was really cool because we just get Angus beef all the time. And for their burgers, his mom would take a packet of um, like the cream of mushroom dried soup, you know, packet. Yeah. And she would pour that in there and mix it in with the meat and then grill it, grill it off. And, you know, that's the way they done burgers, right? Hamburgers. And in my mind, I'm like, that's you're making a meatball or a meatloaf. Interesting, because some of the best burgers I've had almost always have some sort of like mix in with it. Yeah, like Ooh. ribs or like a really fatty piece of meat where it's ground beef with a portion of something else to like add richness to it, like like, what, like pork belly or like bacon mixed uh, in. See, that's rough for me, because for me, a hamburger is just I'm a traditionalist. It's just the meat, just so, the burger. So we agree. That it has to be beef, but yep. I, I guess, am less of a purist and will disagree that I when, think it when, can have some. Mix what about ins. when? When is the percentage? Then it's fit. Does it have to be at least fifty percent beef? Because you can go fifty-fifty. Uh, I think if, uh, and this is completely on the spot and made up, but if it's fifty-one percent or more beef, I think it's okay. a burger. <laughs> as long as the majority of the mix. And is- this is a perfect transition into our first topic. <laughs> it's almost like we planned this, which yeah. we actually didn't. First topic. So the first category we're going to do mm-hmm. is types of food. And this first okay. one is a very controversial topic if you're from Minnesota because Minnesotans take a lot of pride in our cuisine. And one mm-hmm. of the biggest things that we really stand behind is Juicy Lucy's. Mm. For those of you who are not familiar, a Juicy Lucy is a hamburger mm-hmm. where the cheese is on the inside mm-hmm. of the patty. Do you think that Juicy Lucy's are overrated? Underrated or appropriately rated? You're going to go first, man, because you're going to get canceled real hard. Juicy Lucy's are vastly overrated. Overrated. (laughs) (laughs) Is that your boy? Yeah. (laughs) 
we're um, we're, we're one notch above amateur, but not yeah. quite professional. Um, oh, you know what, brother? Um, I he, here's a bunch of things I have to say first. It's got emotional. Like, well, it it is because here's the deal. Have you had it at Matt's bar? Which is kind of, of course like, okay, right? So here's the move at Matt's bar. Because when you get that Juicy Lucy right away at Matt's bar... I need you to answer overrated, underrated, appropriately rated. This, th- What I'm hearing now is an argument. I need this okay. up front. Okay, so, so this is how we do it? We yes. up front say it? Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. Up front say it. Okay, here, here, here's me. I think it's overrated. Overrated. Okay, but I, let, I interrupted. I, Matt's can, bar, what's Matt's the bar. play? So the play is this. It's like eight ninety five or something like that for the burger, right? Basically, what you're doing, they also have the double cheeseburger there, too. The double cheeseburger is the Juicy Lucy not closed. Think about that. So what I do is I order a double cheeseburger and order a Juicy Lucy. By the time I'm finished eating the double cheeseburger, the Juicy Lucy has cooled down. So it's like I'm preparing myself for the Juicy Lucy. Does that make sense? Yeah. And and so it's like, I think it's overrated because it's it's... It's a double cheeseburger that's closed on the outside, which then it gets so molten hot on the inside. Now you have to wait. Like I didn't order a juicy, I didn't order a burger, a cheeseburger, an in-stuffed cheeseburger, or you want to call it an inception cheeseburger, you know, because the cheese is on the inside. <laughs> um, I didn't order one of those to wait. You know, here's here's my take on it. Is it's also important to note. Just because I'm saying something is overrated, yeah, like doesn't you don't, mean you don't like doesn't it. Doesn't mean I don't I love agree. it. I, I love oh, a great juicy me too. Lucy. I think Matt's Bar has the best one. Yeah, I think a big part of that is that grill is ancient and it has seen yeah. more burgers than yeah. any yeah. any uh, countertop in t- mm-hmm. no, countertop. What am I? What, what's word? What am I looking for? Uh, the plancha. The the grill, but yeah, the not griddle, a grill. griddle top, griddle top. That's what I'm looking for. And so the burgers that come out of there are just mm-hmm. insanely delicious. But I still think it's overrated. Here's why: mm-hmm. I think burgers kind of fall into two major categories. Mm-hmm. You've got your smash burger style, yep. where where the uh, beef or like steak meat is uh, smashed, and so mm-hmm. you get like a nice crisp on the mm-hmm. outside. It's cooked mm-hmm. very quickly, and you get like mm-hmm. nice charring crispness. Mm-hmm. Or it's a thicker patty, in which I think thicker patties. The best part about them is you get like medium rare, yeah. so it's like juicy and like medium rare. And the inside it's categorized as like a pub burger you lose the ability to do either of those Mm -hmm. with the juicy lucy because Mm -hmm. the cheese is on the inside you can't smash it and you lose Mm -hmm. the ability to be able to get the crisp outside on the patty here, here's the thing with Juicy Lucy. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. Keep going. No, and, and then the second yeah. part is because there's cheese on the inside. It's almost like the, a thin casing of patty mm-hmm. so that you can't really cook that medium rare either. Mm-hmm. Here, here's the thing that people don't want to. I don't think people say it. And, and it's like me saying this is like, oh, sacrilegious. But Juicy Lucy's are always overcooked because they have to be Bingo. for the cheese to melt. Bingo. You have to overcook it. So it, so the meat is a little like the burger itself is a little tougher. Nobody wants to agree with that. Exactly. Because it's so iconic. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think it's overrated. That's why I'd rather just have a double cheeseburger because then you get those burgers down on there, you get it right to that medium rare medium, throw the cheese in the middle, you still get the same effect. Exactly. And and you don't have to wait. I think agreement. I think <laughs> <laughs> I think it's one of those things that like Minnesotans we, 
I'm born and raised in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. I love it here. Mm-hmm. I, it is the dead of winter, and I can yeah. still say that, which is yeah. the hardest time to say that. Yeah. But I do think we get these blinders on that yep. we go, we love this thing because it's Minnesotan, and we absolutely love mm-hmm. it no matter what. Like Ludafisk mm-hmm. is. Yeah, I was like, just thinking that. Like yeah, you're gonna eat fish that's aged in or like aged in lye, which yeah. is toxic, and it and it's just like this disgusting. Yeah, fish. you're gonna eat fish with the texture of Vaseline, <laughs> and then they look at Hmong people and they're like, you guys eat like chicken feet and chicken heads and i'm like bro vaseline fish here you go vaseline fish aged in acid yeah you're trying to lecture me about anything and you're like it's tradition yeah and this is totally off the rails here but i I feel the same way about a lot of christmas music or Mm -hmm. christmas movies as Mm -hmm. i go because it was just christmas i go this movie's really like white christmas i go this movie's really bad Mm-hmm. Uh, but but it's tradition. It's nostalgia. You can't say it. Yeah, can't say it because it's this thing. And I think these all fall under the yeah. same thing. That's why I watch Die Hard, dude. Like, <laughs> you know. And I think, but and that's to say is I still get Juicy Lucy's. I still mm-hmm. love them, but yeah. I, I I don't think it cracks my top five of best burgers in the Twin Cities. Yep, agreed. All right, so Juicy Lucy's. We are both in agreement. Overrated. <laughs> All right. I spent a couple years in Chicago Mm -hmm. right out of school doing sales for Mm -hmm. Sam Adams, feet on the street. And one of the most divisive topics, both in the cities and out of the cities, is deep dish Mm. pizza. I'm very curious. Do you think that deep dish pizza is overrated, underrated, or appropriately rated? I think it's appropriately rated. Appropriately rated. I think it is underrated. Underrated. Okay. <gasps> There's a gasp. Because oh, sorry, sorry. Surprising. I didn't mean to interrupt the gasp. Okay. Appropriately rated. I, I, I'd like to hear your explanation on this. I love it. I love to do deep dip pizza. Oh, um, apparently my phone's connected to the Bluetooth. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know it could do oh, that. I, I thought it was one of your sound effects. I was like, oh, cool. Well, I don't know what that one is. This one doesn't make sense. Yeah. Uh, I think it's appropriately rated. Um, I like deep dip, you know? Um, but again, I'm a I'm a regional pizza eater, so like I respect the deep dish. Like we we go to Chicago, we you know hit up one of the places. I respect the deep dish. You know, if you go out to New York and you have the thin, you know, you do the thin crust stuff, you do the pizza by a slice. I respect that. You know, so um, I love deep dish because I'm I'm kind of like a I I love my toppings. You know, man, like I, I if, 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 if it's sausage, I'm not all about the crumbly sausage. Like, I, like give me sausage that I'm going to have to work through. <laughs> you know, if it's pepperoni, like, let, let me just, you know, and then like, I'm a, I'm a sucker for vegetables, like roasted vegetables on there and that ooey gooey cheese. And I will admit that the moment that my deep dish slice is cool enough, I pick it up and eat it with my hands. Like, I, I can't do the fork and yeah. knife thing. You know, yeah. Here, so I I say underrated because I will admit that the the thin crust it mm-hmm. is a superior delivery system for mm-hmm. toppings. Mm-hmm. So if you go to somewhere like Young Joni, who's mm-hmm. just doing incredible yep. things with like their Korean bar, uh, mm-hmm. their Korean beef mm-hmm. pizza is just like the flavors of the toppings mm-hmm. are so incredible. But where deep dish pizza kicks the crap out of thin crust, and I think it gets this bad rap is cheese. You can get so much cheese Mm -hmm. into a single slice of deep Mm -hmm. dish pizza. 
And then your cheese to crust to other thing yep. ratio is way higher of cheese to anything else. And I would argue that a higher cheese ratio is always going to be a good thing. I will yep. never complain that there's too much cheese. Yep. And then, like you said, you can add more toppings. I think because the tomato is on the top, mm-hmm. because the sauce is on the top, it's deceiving that it's mm-hmm. like it looks kind of unappealing. Yep. But you go under that tomato. Yeah is this insane layer of cheese. And then, by the way, the tomato doesn't soak into the crust mm. because it has this protective layer so of delicious cheese. So what you're cheese. really saying, Rob, is more of a philosophy for your life is it's what's on the inside that counts. Because <laughs> don't judge from the outside. It might just look like a blob of tomatoes, but actually it's about the structure of what's on the inside. I and see what you're saying. This is why we do these episodes. Yeah. It's not yeah, really about deep dish pizza. It's not right about now. deep dish pizza. I just want people <laughs> like me for me. <laughs> And there's a place in Chicago called Pequod's. I think they have like two locations. Okay. What they do is before they put this deep dish pizza in the oven is they sprinkle cheese on the outer rim of the crust so that as it bakes, it gets burnt Mm -hmm. cheese all along the outside of the crust. And I'm like, that's not even something you can try to do with thin crust. So for that reason, oh, I forgot to do this thing. Conflict of opinion. (laughs) Debate now. So I, I I buy your reasons for appropriately rated. Mm-hmm. The reason I say underrated is I think it's like it's almost like Nickelback where people are just like, oh, deep dish pizza, it sucks. And you're like, yeah. have, have you ever had it? No, I just hate it. Yeah. And you're like. Are you a Nickelback fan? Um, I'm not a fan, but like. They, I don't mind it. Yeah. Like they have some songs that rip. I don't know why I'm not supposed to like it. Exactly. I, same thing with Creed. Like <laughs> Creed was appropriate in high school football. Like we listened to it. But, I don't know why I was supposed to hate it. And Nickelback, like, they seem like good dudes. They have yeah. some songs that rip, and it's like, yeah. whatever. It's stuck ha- in my head. <laughs> as as the kids say these days, it, it, it lives rent-free in my head. I think I think uh, ever since Photograph became a meme was the beginning oh, of really? the for Because that one is the one that lives rent-free That's, in my head. That, the thing is, yeah. I, can, I can say they, uh, get, they, they get shit on too much, but I can also mm-hmm. say that the Photograph meme is fantastic. Yeah. Um, that's deep dish pizza. (laughs) So, uh, deep dish pizza is Nickelback. Yes, it's the Nickelback of foods. All right, this next one is interesting because there's a a couple different ways you could go with this one, Uh, and the topic is simply ramen. Mm. And so, before we dive into what that means, let's. I'm I'm Mm -hmm. gonna I'm gonna start and just say that I think. Ramen is appropriately rated. Appropriately rated. Um, I think ramen is appropriately rated. Appropriately rated. Agreement. I'd like you to start on this one. So when you hear just ramen, where mm-hmm. does your head immediately go when you're thinking about it? So when I hear ramen, I go straight to like ramen ramen not instant ramen mm-hmm. like ramen ramen like some of the really good ramen shops i've been to you know um like slurping over a bowl um you know the ones where they have the tare in there and then you know they have the they have the you know the broth and then then i then i break up to all the different kinds of ramen you know you have your shoyu ramen you know you have your tonkatsu ramen uh you have you know your tamen ramen um uh, oh sorry sukemen ramen you know, which have you ever had the one where you dip? No, oh, that's that's the jam right there. So there's all these different kinds of ramen, um, and regionally different from Japan. And I've never visited Japan, but just been around 
enough restaurants with ramen to, to kind of understand. You have your very classic ramen, you know, and then you have your kind of like, um, you know how like you have your classic like double cheese burger, smash burger, yeah. and then you have your stunt burgers where it's like, we're going to put a prime piece of prime rib in there. And then on top of that, we're going to put some, you know, um, I don't know. Another like, burger. burger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then we'll put like half a chicken in there, you know, like stunt. I call them stunt burgers. Yeah. So th- there's like the stunt ramens, you know, you have that. And then you have your very classical ramens too. So that's where I go right away. I, I think that ramen has been around long and en- long enough. It-, it doesn't live in the shadows of like, oh, what is this? You know, uh, that people think some people think they know what they're talking about when it comes to ramen. Because ramen isn't just a broth and noodles. Because I think a lot of people think, oh, yeah, if I just get some kind of bone broth and throw like egg noodles in there, that's ramen. And it's like, nah, no, not really. You know? I think it's appropriately rated too because of exactly what you said. I think mm-hmm. it's at a point where it's like in the zeitgeist mm-hmm. of the food world and mm-hmm. like everybody's probably tried something that's not instant mm-hmm. ramen if they're like somebody that considers themselves a foodie mm-hmm. or somebody that likes to try new yep. places. And it's not quite the point of being overrated where it's, I don't think it ever got to the point of being super hyped. And so it's like, mm-hmm. I was almost leaning towards underrated because like when you get somebody that does it really mm-hmm. right and it's like a traditionally made broth and just the yeah. layers of like fat and umami and just the mm-hmm. depth of flavor that you can get from a really good bowl. It's kind of unlike any other food that exists mm-hmm. in terms of the broths and like the different ingredients that can go into it. Yeah, I, t- I totally agree. I think that like, some of the biggest things with ramen is like the techniques. Like when I when I started kind of getting really into it and wanting to make it, it's like it's all about the technique, you know, and it's all about you know, it's all about that broth and you know, like the noodles, texture of the noodles, the bite of the noodles, and just all the little movements. Like one of the things about Japanese food is every movement that you're you're doing and making Japanese food, like every movement is for a purpose. And that's what's really cool because it's like well thought out. You know, I mean, you watch some of these guys do sushi. You watch some of these guys do yakitori's. Like it's very precise and it's purposeful movement. And it's the same thing with you're watching, you know, a ramen guy doing ramen, you know. Um, and so, so yeah, I, I, I really think it's appropriately rated. I think that there's a, there's a sense of respect for it. There's a sense of nuance for it. Um, yeah, I mean, but I also you know where i do struggle where i i wanted to say underrated you know but i think that people know enough or want to know enough about it that if they were to go and say hey i want to learn more about ramen they can what are your go-to spots in town for an amazing ramen um ramen kazuma you know i haven't been there and everybody always brings that up yeah because they they're really good at what they do um uh, zen box i mean john does a great job over there um, I love Tori. Tori, they yeah, do yeah. great things over yeah, there. And then also Tori. What, what was the first one you said again? I Ramen Kazuma. Kazuma. I've heard what, that multiple. I, I have the rule of three that if I've heard something three times, yeah. I do it like the, I got to find out about what yeah. it is. Um, but the problem with ramen right now is like takeout ramen is kind of rough. I have. It's, it's, it, it's such. I feel so bad for out of anyone in yeah. the industry is like if you're ramen, that is, I'm sorry, but that is an in person. Yeah. on the spot experience. Yeah, you get that bowl right in front of you. You have that like 10 to 12 minute, you know, maybe 8 minute, you know, it's just like that hot boom right there. Ugh. You know. And if you're not tipping that bowl back, like picking it up and drinking it like it's the last drop of water in the world, then like you don't get it. I have seen people eat ramen with like a full like 
broth still there and I'm like what are you doing they eat all the ingredients out yeah. of the ramen they and eat the they, noodles and they're like okay I'm, I'm done. done and I'm like like if we did that back at home like especially with our pho like my parents would like scoop rice into it and then we would have to eat it with rice okay explain to me the biggest differences between ramen and pho because like I can I can yep. explain kind of like, like when I taste them how the, they taste the broth ra- ramen is more deeper more richer mm-hmm. what you're really trying to get that deep, rich broth, you know, while um, pho is more, it's lighter, it's more clear. What are the things happening in preparation that create the big, like, flavorful depth? Like so a lot, of, a lot of ramen is, uh, it's pork. So you're roasting your bones, you're getting that very, gr- like, you're getting that pork flavor. While a lot of, a lot of, majority, not all, but majority of pho is, like, beef-based. But then, but it's beef, but like it's beef based, but you're almost trying to make a consomme. So it's like, you almost want it to be clear. So you're taking all that impurities out, you know? Yeah. But if, and, if, and if then, I go to ramen with someone and they leave broth, like, oh, especially when you're literally only eating the ingredients, yeah. you leave that. If you're not tipping that bowl, like, dude, I, I, I don't want to say it makes you a bad person, yeah. but it makes you a really bad, terrible person. I don't you think do, I should probably ever see so you again. So there's a life. style ramen called soup came in, which that one is you get this little bowl of like concentrated broth it's almost like it's like creamy right it's almost creamy and then you get a bowl of cold ramen and and what you do is then you take that ramen and then you dip it into that hot like creamy thick broth then you eat it like you it's a it's what a is dipping that called sukamen oh <laughs> so that style is called sukamen i think it's in like the northern part of Japan pan where it comes from when restaurants open back up i'm about i'm about to put bro, on like 80 pounds because bro, the ramen that is game. so legit because you just get this big Ugh. bowl of just noodles and you dip it and then you just bring that other little bowl where you just dip it and bring it back up yeah so i i want to dork out with that like i'm, it's, I'm about that life because it's just so intense Ugh. oh yeah <laughs> Uh, appropriately rated <laughs> ramen, <laughs> except you know what? After hearing that and hearing all the multiple different types, I'm going to go ahead and change my mind. Ramen underrated. <gasps> all right. This next one, I feel like you might have an opinion about it might be oh. something that you're a little familiar oh with. Um, rice, rice, overrated, underrated, <laughs> appropriately rated. Uh, I think underrated, underrated, <gasps> I remember on our, it's funny because I don't think I ever had an extremely strong opinion about it until the last episode we recorded to each other or with each other. And you were just describing, I, I think also underrated, mm-hmm. <gasps> you started describing it as like this mm-hmm. perfect delivery system for flavor, but not only that, but like the texture of it and what it can mm-hmm. add to a dish. And like, I'd never thought about rice in that way because, mm-hmm. you know, growing up in Minnesota, whatever, like you get your carry out and it has mm-hmm. rice on the side and you like maybe eat it with mm-hmm. some soy sauce or like maybe do mm-hmm. some on the chicken or whatever but it wasn't until you started like describing what it adds to mm-hmm. a dish that i was like it really it, like the, there's not really the equivalent in like your standard western diet of mm-hmm. something that's like so involved in every single dish and mm-hmm. how to mix it with food and mm-hmm. how it adds not only like this delivery system but it's also filling mm-hmm. and at like and I, I just started thinking about it differently and I started making a lot more myself because mm-hmm. of that and realized it can be used across so many different like mm-hmm. types of cuisine and adds a lot to it. Yeah, definitely. So when, when we say rice, I come from, you know, being Hmong, I just come from, you know, more of, you know, your long grain, either mm-hmm. jasmine or whatever kind of rice. And so that's where I come. I know that rice is such a huge, there's 
plethora of around the world. Different people eat different styles of rice. But what what the way that rice works in within the Hmong, um, I think you know culinary vision or whatever you want to call it, the uh, telescope is that rice is it's the balancer. It is the blank canvas that you can paint any picture you want on it. Here, and when I say that is one of our, I'm going to, I'm going to just throw him under the bus, but our director of operations, Marshall Paulson, he, the other day he discovered when we were making our rice, especially our sticky rice, he's like, yeah, so how much salt do you put in there? And I'm like, what are you, what? And he goes, what? Like, don't you always salt your rice when you make it? And all the Asian cooks there, all of us, you know, uh, like, you know, Mike, Chandra, you know, we're all like, we looked at him, we're like, dude, you What? And he goes, yeah, don't you put salt in your rice? And I'm like, ask Chandra. I'm like, Chandra. And she, he's like, Chandra, what do you, well, how much salt do you put in your rice? And Chandra, who's uh, Cambodian and Thai, is like, you don't put salt in your rice. You know, and Mike, who's, you know, half, you know, half Chinese, he's like, wait, what are you talking about? And we poke fun of him. We're like, he's like, oh, okay. He's like, we're like, oh, okay, well, I know that's the white way of making it. I, but I'm going to throw myself yeah. under the bus and say, I've always salted yeah. my rice when I'm you making it. You never salt your rice because all your salt comes from whatever like the meat or the vegetable that you're making comes from that so the rice is literally a blank canvas where it balances everything out that and or even when i see people take soy and they put it all over the rice i'm like what are you doing like you're now ruining the purpose of that canvas it's like it's like you would never get a blank canvas to paint if you're an artist take that blank canvas and take black paint and put it all over that paint then you paint your picture on that canvas with the black paint on it you would never do that you want something clear and, and in that clearness it's the balance that brings to the to the food and that's why washing the rice making sure that you wash all that starch out like five or six times before you you know you know put it in the rice cooker um even even like explain the level. that that's something i actually recently learned yeah. about and it's a game changer so i think a lot of okay people- so let me explain uh as, as, yeah. as your uh uh, you're, you're minis- about I'm, I'm British and Irish let's be honest I'm about yeah. as white as you can get when it comes to like any sort of cuisine yeah. uh, my preparation of rice prior to like learning a mm-hmm. few things this year was always just you take it out you whatever the uh, do, you, you, do you put a knob of butter in it too <laughs> I, I, but, I don't but do that. there's it's people who do that right okay. yeah 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 so you just whatever the box says that's mm-hmm. you know, a cup of water okay mm-hmm. cup of water onto the rice bring it to a boil yeah. and then let it steam off until yeah. and yeah salt yeah. all up in there and then yeah. and then you take it out and you put soy sauce on, and you eat it on the side with your food yeah tell no. me so I'm, so I'm really rattled right now so this is the first thing if you're a monk kid you better learn this or like they will like discontinue your Hmong membership. <laughs> so you, you, so we don't use like a, like a regular pot, like whatever. Like we don't do that. We, we buy these like fancy, we have these like fancy, like pretty high end. They're like the Teslas of rice cookers. You know, there's all these different brands. The brand I have is called tiger. You know, it's a, uh, like the five quart one I have, it's like 160 bucks. Like it's like, you know, you, yeah. you invest in there and, 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 and it's got the perfect timing. It's got everything on there. And so you, there's all these different brands you can get. Uh, my, my, my mom and dad has this Korean brand where it's like super expensive, super high tech. And uh, it actually even sings a song for you when it's done. <laughs> and like it, it speaks only in Korean. So it'd be like the, the female voice is like basically it's like, we're done. We're done. Open up. I'm done. You know, <laughs> but it says it all in Korean. Um, and so so we, we have these, you know, kind of, you know, these rice cookers are really and, and I'm not talking about your Black & Decker like. $20 at Walmart cup. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm talking about real good stuff. So you take your rice and the rice we get, you know, it's not like uncle Ben's or whatever, or, you know, it's, um, 
Everyone has their different brand they use. Sometimes there's one called Three Ladies. There's one you call Dragonfly. You know, and and so uh, we'll we'll take the rice and then you put your how many cups you want and you put it in the right like the rice cooker has a little pot. You put it in there and then you wash it. You wash it with cold water. Okay, so you wash it at least like five or six times. You wash, rinse, wash, and you're getting all that extra starch out of there. Because if you don't, if you just straight up throw water and throw it in. The rice becomes gummy and it's sticky because there's so much starch in there. So you wash it until the you know the, a lot of people say wash it until the uh, the the rice is the water is clear. About five or six times you wash it and then you fill it up. And then there's a couple tricks like there's there's a line on the side of the pot where it's like that's where you fill it up the water. Just for example, if it's like three cups, there's like a three. You hit the three. Some 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 moms will say you hit the exact line. Some moms will say you take make sure the water covers the number. Some mom says you make it just so it touches the bottom of the number, uh, and then the or you use what's called the knuckle trick or the knuckle measurement. Have you heard about that? This is what I learned yeah. about this year. So you put like you know you you put water in there, but you put your hands down and you make sure all five of your fingers like you're not pressing all the way down. Just touch the surface of where the rice is mm-hmm. and then you fill it up until it covers your knuckles or sometimes they do the pinky finger which is you know you put your pinky finger on, on the side where you're touching where the rice is and then you fill it up until it hits the second knuckle of your pinky finger so there's the knuckle method mm-hmm. you could totally do that um i just follow the line and then when you're done when it when it beeps and it's done the first thing you always have to do you always have to listen to that sometimes that's only 20 minutes right when that beeps and this is you have to do this. You open up and then you take your rice paddle and then you stir the rice. You want to aerate it. Because if you don't, again, it, all the starch gets on and it gets gummy. You aerate it. You don't eat it right away. You aerate it, let it, you let it, you close the, uh, the rice cooker and you let it set for another like five, six minutes. Then you pull it out. And because you really want to get each individual kernel. Now, at no point have I added butter, have I added olive oil. Have I added salt to this? The rice that you're making, it's exactly what it is. The purpose of that rice is that, for example, if I'm making like a stir-fry cumin lamb, you know, and and you have all that richness in there, you have all that fat, you have all that, you know, that umami from, you know, the, the different sauces that you mix in there. Now you have this beautiful, neutral canvas where then when you eat that, all that flavor from that lamb or, you know, that you're cooking with, that you stir fried up, it goes into the crevices of that rice. And now that rice then becomes a delivery vehicle of flavor to you. And you're not overstimulating yourself by like adding salt in there. And then, or if you're eating a piece of steak and you put in some like, you know, hot sauce on there, again, that if it's so spicy for you, heat wise, then that rice becomes that balancer. You eat the rice and the rice helps balance it. The other thing too was my mom and dad were saying when they were growing up and we were growing up and we were really poor so you didn't have a lot of meat. So the meat became a flavoring to whatever the stir fry you're making or whatever. Like for sometimes we'll have like half a pound of pork belly and she'll cut that. Becomes that flavor in there and then to make to make that stretch that's why the rice was there. The rice helped stretch that. So anyways that's rice. That is why I wanted this to be a topic. Sorry. <laughs> And no, but I think a big reason that a lot of people are like, oh, it's over, you know, just yeah. it's just rice. Is, first of all, clearly 
almost everybody's making it wrong. Yeah. And well, I mean, yeah. like, I take it somewhat seriously, and I'm making it wrong. Like, I've just always salted. Do we got to get you a rice cooker? A For real. Nice one. It's funny because the second you started talking about rice cookers, mm-hmm. I go, this is the exact conversation I have with people about coffee grinders. Yeah. Because people go, well, what grinder do you have? And I go, well, I started... Okay, this phone's going off. <laughs> I didn't even know it could do that. Oh wait, here we go. Now it's now it's off. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, no, I, I I take food very seriously, and I've been salt. I, I just learned about rinsing this year, mm-hmm. even though I've been cooking rice for yeah. I thought right for years, and so the rinsing is a huge one where the starch is going. A different, a huge texture? difference because yeah. when you don't rinse it, when you don't wash it off, what happens is when you just make it in, especially if you're just making it in a pot like I do, yeah. is it sticks all to the sides, and yeah. then the bottom layer like burns and sticks mm-hmm. to the bottom and like it's like you're like basically scraping it mm-hmm. off the walls and then you just get like kind of rice mm-hmm. and it reminded me of talking about coffee grinders because mm-hmm. people go what grinder do you have well the introductory level that i would recommend is like 140 dollars, yep. and they're like what yeah why, why would i get that yeah there's a coffee grinder i can get for ten dollars at the store yeah. and it, it it is kind of like the, if you think about like a curve of a graph of like return on investment mm-hmm. of going from like ten dollars mm-hmm. to a hundred and forty dollars is mm-hmm. huge and then after that it kind of like then the next level up's a little better yeah. and a little better so you're, you the, the way you're describing a rice cooker reminded me of that that i'm like yeah. trying to describe like the levels after that and yeah. just trying to convince people that once you get to that level it's so much better and so that may be something I have to look into. Yeah. I, and, you know, I think a lot of people uh, sometimes, like, I think that they... So, for example, here, here, here's the best way of talking about it, especially to, you know, Miss Sotans. It's like bread, right? It's like, it's easy to get, like, white bread from, like, you know, whatever, Cubs food, and it's just, like, you use it as, like, a, like a f- loaf of French bread or something, and you use it as, like, the slopper. You know, it slops up all the, you know, you know, you, you can you know, grab all the juice and all the flavors, right? But w- the way that we have been looking at bread is saying, man, like maybe we've been doing this wrong. Maybe we need to look at the, the way that we're doing flour. Maybe we're looking for, at the, you know, what is the like artisanal flours that we're using? Like, you know what I'm saying? Going back to these like ancient grains and blah, blah, blah. Like there is, is this deep dive into making good bread, right? It's just not about, hey, we take some AP flour, some yeast, some water, mix it together, let it proof, bake it off. People are really deep diving into like, hey, let's make bread that has really great nutritional value that can help us break down bacteria and stuff in our stomach. Also, let's make bread that tastes really good, right? Well, there's that deep dive in, into bread. And, and that's, I, I feel like that's the equivalent when we talk rice. I think some people look at rice as I'm like, oh, whatever. Just like, you know, just, you know. That's a really good way to think about yeah. it, too. Because it's really easy to be like, hey, we know the difference between like a slice of Wonder Bread versus going to like a great bakery yep. and getting great bread. Yep. You like, you go to Bakersfield, you get their stuff, you get their flour, you get their bread. It's, it's delicious. It's incredible. You know, good sourdough fermented, great. You know, or you can go to, you know, whatever. You can literally go to like Holiday, the gas station, and for a buck twenty five or whatever, you can get a whole loaf. And <laughs> did, you, did you see that uh, in Ireland, uh, they classified the bread that Subway uses? They classified it, it as it's not, not, it's not bread, bread anymore. Yeah, yeah. It has too much sugar in yeah. it. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, like that, that's the thing. Like people get deep diving in that. And I think yeah. that like from a, from a Eastern culture, you know, from an Asian culture, that's the way we view our, our rice, you know. And just kind of like, hey, there's like this technique to do it, you know, at the most simplest level, like you have these monk kids who know how to make rice, 
you know, and just like, this is the way you do it. It's been hand down from generation to generation. I had a feeling that topic might bring, nah, you, bring out a little bit. Well, <laughs> it's just, it was just like one of those things where like when people like talk to me about it, they're like, oh, I make rice. And it's yeah. like, did you though? Well, it's the equivalent of somebody being like, I love coffee. And I yeah. go, oh, really? What do you like? Oh, you know, yeah. again, I've talked about this on past episodes. Like, oh, no. I love a good macchiato. And you're like, oh, yeah. you don't like coffee, do you? <laughs> okay, cool. Um, oh, you actually hate what I do. I think this feels like a good time for a ranting break. Do you have any rants that you would like, that you have prepared? Uh, no, how about you rant first? And okay. then Hold on to your seats. It's ranting time. All right, this one... I try I'm trying to figure out a way in my head to have this come across as not hi, like uh, on a on a soapbox not on a mm-hmm. uh, being high and mighty here mm-hmm. but I think one thing about everything with covid closures has mm-hmm. taught us is how fragile the restaurant industry really is mm-hmm. and it's made me realize how kind of shitty the expectations of happy hours on establishments is. Mm-hmm. And here's why is I've learned more and more that restaurants that have really good happy hours are basically either like not making any money during that time, or they're mm-hmm. actually losing money with mm-hmm. the hopes that enough people stay around after the happy hour, that they stay for dinner, that they get some full price mm-hmm. drinks. And then I started thinking about like, what other industry or business is there something where like you expect hey it's this time yeah, it's five to from five to six give or me your stuff yeah. at ridiculously cheap prices mm-hmm. and that's the only reason I'm going to come there mm-hmm. and then the the other side of it too is that the more aggressive happy hour discounts that one place runs it's like this snowball effect mm-hmm. that every other place in the neighborhood if you don't match or go lower on these happy hour specials mm-hmm. that all of a sudden, no one's going to be at your establishment from that time. And they're going to be like, why don't you have a happy hour? And then this new expectation is created that, hey, if it's between four and six and you're charging me full price, how dare you? Mm-hmm. And I realized that because the, the, the industry is already so fragile and the margins are so thin, this is one of the things that like there is an expectation on the consumer side that has added to the fragility and to these expectations that owners have to almost succumb to. Mm-hmm. And I just want my rant is if that is your expectation as a consumer, go grab some drinks from the store, Mm -hmm. make them at home. Mm -hmm. This industry should not have to bend to these expectations of getting you a three dollar pint of beer when that's going to help them break even on Mm -hmm. that keg, let alone manage all the overhead on the other side. And I was actually listening to your podcast of White on Rice with Tim Niver. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he, one thing that he said that just landed, like, just landed so hard when he said it is he goes, people are already so price sensitive and we're not charging nearly enough for what we're doing. Yeah. And happy hour, I think, is one of those things that just, cr- I think sometimes, and this will be the end of my rant here, but mm-hmm. I think consumers will look at something and this just happened because it was like Black Friday and all mm-hmm. these sales are going on. And somebody said, hey. If a company is able to offer 50% off of this item, that means they're overcharging you the rest of the year. Mm -hmm. And at a very simple level, this seems true. Well, they must be making 80% margin if they are charging 50% off and still making money. But they're not considering that they basically have to do that sale at that time Mm -hmm. of the year to compete with everybody else. Mm -hmm. Also, you're not considering that maybe they're selling it at cost or even below cost with the the hope that you become a future customer. Mm -hmm. And this is essentially what happy hour is. It's like a Black Friday sale that they have to do every single weekday. Mm -hmm. 
there's no other industry like Black Friday. Every other industry goes. We do that one day a year. Mm-hmm. Restaurant industry is like we have to do that every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and all day Sunday for brunch happy mm-hmm. hour. So I my rant is as a consumer, do not expect that. In fact, mm-hmm. I would say if you really love a place. Get full price stuff, even if it is happy hour, because that shouldn't be the reason that you are dining at a place is because yeah. you want them to be charging cost for what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that is my rant. That that is that is a big struggle. And that's I, I even the word happy hour sometimes like irritates me. I'm like, uh, you know. And and at, at one point you get it, it's it's all about numbers, right? So it's like you know, for some of those bigger restaurants, I mean, I'm talking about the corporate restaurants. It's for them, it works well. You know, you know, uh, it's just about getting pure numbers in there. Like, are are their food and are their drinks really? You know, like, does do they have that margin in there? Is it? You know, what I'm saying, like, yeah. it's, it's for them. It's like we're just getting people in. We're just rail drinks, you know, kind of deal, and just getting them through. Um, it's a great business decision from their end, but I think I'm thinking about the smaller independent restaurants where it's just like, it's just hard to compete with that, man. Like it is. And it's, it's tough. And that's, you know, for, for the new, for the new restaurant V night, we, we talked about that where I'm like, they're like, well, what are we going to do for happy hour? I'm like, we're not going to have one. We're not. It It's just, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to start that culture. I don't want to start that thought of like, Hey, if I come at five or like if I come at five fifty five and I have five minutes left, like, do I still make it? You know, like I just get four so, orders, yeah, of whatever you're happy on. Yeah, menus. yeah. You know, um, we 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 have thought, and we're probably we're gonna do like a late night menu that's gonna be like you know you know after X amount of you know after a certain time and have it be fun, mm-hmm. you know, because we wanna you know we wanna just kind of say hey, if you wanna stay a little later with us, and and a lot of a lot of the late night menus that we've been thinking about are, are focused more towards like I'll be honest, more towards um industry workers you know like you know people get off a little later at night and said hey like c- come here like you know we want to cook for you guys you know and you know like we even thought about you know it's just stuff like that yeah you know which i understand you know i get that especially people with, with late night menus you know later you know where it's like you're just trying to you're, you're taking your kitchen and you're like trying to get everybody out you know but mm-hmm. then you can still have this little menu that you can do a little, a little bit later and stuff like that so. yeah and I think there's a big difference mm-hmm. between saying hey our burgers are half off during this time and yeah. our drinks are half off versus saying hey we're going to offer smaller bites because it's four to six and it's not dinner time yet mm-hmm. so we a happy hour menu I think I view differently as a happy hour like specials mm-hmm. and so I'm not saying don't do something different for happy hour or late night menu I love mm-hmm. a good late a good yeah. late night menu uh, but like the special side is I always hate when the reason someone does something especially when it comes to a business sense and the only mm-hmm. reason they go is like well it's just how it is mm-hmm. like that's just how it's done so that's why mm-hmm. we do it and then you go why because just that's how everybody else does mm-hmm. it and then you go why and then all of a sudden you realize why the restaurant industry is depending on liquor and wine to mm-hmm. survive yeah. and then ironically for two hours out of every day they ma- they don't make any money on liquor or wine yeah. and so happy hour was something that I was considering and uh, obviously it's disappeared during COVID and I think yeah. if th- this could be an opportunity that when people return people won't hopefully yeah. demand it well it's something uh, Nyers and I talked about off off the microphone was like the the fact that happy hour is like 
Yeah, you know, the, our, our, our servers and our cooks, we still have to pay them full. Like, we don't pay them, like, hey, during, from, like, four <laughs> to six, you guys only get half wages. Happy hour wage. Yeah, this is a happy hour wage, you know? like. And then, by the way, you're going to get tipped half of what you yeah, normally yeah, do. Yeah, so it's like, no, everything's still, like, the, you know, like, the electric company doesn't go from four to four to six, from, <laughs> you know, Tuesday, or Monday to, you know, Friday, we are only charging you half rent or half you know, whatever. It's like, no, man, we still have to pay full price and everything, you know? Yep. And so I'm hoping the consumer kind of expectations or habits when we mm-hmm. come back that people go, hey, I'm at a place that I love because I want to eat their stuff, mm-hmm. not because I'm demanding that they give it away during this mm-hmm. two, this two hour period. Mm-hmm. So that is my rant. That was a good rant. Thank you. Yeah. I got a little heated about it. The, 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 uh, by the way, um, if you're not familiar, Tim Niver is the owner and proprietor of Mucci's, yep. which is the amazing Italian spot over mm. in St. Paul, and then the Trator- uh, Mucci's Trattoria in mm. Uptown. Lin- yeah, Lake, on Lake Lin- Street? Yeah, Lynn Lake neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, really sharp. Uh, I actually was able to pick his brain about like distribution with the, their frozen line. Super, super yeah, sharp. Yeah, he knows his stuff, man. Really good dude. Yeah. So would you like to rant or would you like to go uh, debate some more topics here? Uh, I think that was a great rant, dude. Let's let's debate some topics. Okay, here's these next three are, are, are could be heated. Oh. Let's do these three to some depth and then we'll go rapid fire through condiments and then okay. we'll end on one that I think could be a bit contentious. This Let's one. Rock. Charcuterie. <laughs> Overrated, underrated, or appropriately rated? How about you go first? I no, you I, go I'm first. I'm struggling. You go first. Um oh, I have to I feel like if I say it, then I have to like I have to defend my position. That's literally that, the point okay. of the show. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Um okay, it's uh overrated. Overrated. <laughs> And I will explain why. Okay, go ahead. I feel the exact same way. Uh, but I would like to preface saying this, that this is just like the Juicy Lucy. Just because I say yep. what I'm about to say does not mean that I'm not an avid fan, but... Overrated. I like the... At the end there. <laughs> um, I totally agree with you on that. I love myself some... Uh, you know, here's the deal. How do you define what is charcuterie? Bingo. Because I have acquaintances and friends who literally takes a cutting board and puts a few globs of cheese and then some nuts and then some dried raisins or raisins are dry, but you know, and then dry fruit and slice half an apple and half a pear and say, I made a charcuterie board. And I'm just like, what is it though? You know, to me, a charcuterie board <laughs> means there. There's like, there's an element that you didn't open from a pack. Just open, sorry, excuse me. Just open from a package and threw it on a board. Mm-hmm. But you actually made something. Like, hey, I um make some duck pastrami and I hung this duck and I did this. Or, you know, or I um, made this chicken liver mousse or I made this, um, you know, head cheese or whatever. I get it that sometimes you buy this fancy cheese and you want to put it out. But just to take stuff and solely open it from bags and put it on a board, it's like the same way you, quote unquote, make cereal, you know, in the morning. It's like box, milk, boom, done. 
Here's the definition I just looked up. Uh, according to Oxford Languages, charcuterie is cold cooked meats collectively. Yeah, it, <laughs> there has to be a meat to be charcuterie. I don't. Oh, don't get me started on that. But also, just like that phrase, like what does that even mean? Just cold mm-hmm. meats collectively. And this, to me, seems like one of the terms that if you if you really dig down to it with any person and go, what is it? People can give you an idea. Well, it's like a you know, it's like a board. And there's meats and cheeses and sometimes mm-hmm. other things. And you're like, okay, what can you take away and have it not be charcuterie? Mm-hmm. And I think that's why, like, it's almost like the phrase is overrated. But the mm-hmm. things that are in it are not because you uh, alluded to um, Bakersfield earlier in the food building. If you go to the food building and Kieran's Kitchen for yeah, charcuterie, dude, sure. it's, it's perfection. Yeah, You've got in-house cured traditional salumi. That's charcuterie to me. You've got yep. LMR cheese mm-hmm. made all in the same building. Yep. You've got this insane spread of salumis, of cheeses, and you're like, this is perfection. Everything in here is made here, and every bite of this is perfection. I do think it's a term that people realize, oh, people are willing to spend on what I want to get to our next topic here is basically a deconstructed sandwich without bread. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. but I even think that people don't understand the word charcuterie. And maybe it's just because I'm a cook and that's kind of, you know, my world. But I just don't think that people understand that. I think that it's it's easy to say, hey, I made a charcuterie board. And I've been to friends' house. I'm like, ah, you just went to Aldi's and got stuff and put it on a cutting you board. Because if, if you can do that, then what makes a Lunchables, not yes. a charcuterie board? Yeah. Um, you know, those, uh, yeah. Or you even look at, like, those veggie dip trays. Like, is that considered charcuterie? You know, like... I, th- I think anything that is on a wood board is charcuterie. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, mean, I that's think that's what it turned into. Yeah. It's so, the it's the food equivalent of the macchiato in the coffee world. It, macchiato it is. is whatever you want it to be. Yeah, but I you know, cuz I I'm like don't put the 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 same like yeah, name of sh- charcuterie in like something that they make at Kirian's, you know, kitchen and say, "Oh, that's charcuterie." And it's like, "No, that's not." It's like everybody will push the line until they can use the term, and then people, yeah, I think we're uh, we are in the absolute. Mm-hmm. That's a sensitive button. Didn't even make press <laughs> it right there. Okay, I'm going to skip out of turn for this one because this was one I thought of the last second. Is this is a food technique? Okay, De- deconstructed. Yeah, can you explain to me what you like when I say I'm serving you a deconstructed version of something? What does that mean? Yeah. So that word probably about six, seven years ago, maybe 10 years ago, became very popular in the food scene. Deconstructed whatever. It's a deconstructed whatever. I, I think that there's a reason why things were constructed together. Like, why do we need to deconstruct it? You know, and it's kind of like... Um, so explain what a deconstructed... So if I got a deconstructed salad, what would, what would it look like in front of me? So basically what they do is they take each element of the salad and then they kind of like plate it together you know plate the elements each element so for example you have a certain kind of lettuce you have radishes you have you know like you know bacon or lardons or whatever and you kind of just like place them separately and then when the person the diner who eats it they kind of put it together (laughs) and need it and 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 i think that that word became real sexy because you can sell the dish better when it's a deconstructed or you talk the the way you talk about the dish so you're saying oh we have a deconstructed taco and i'm like what you know oh you oh you gave me a taco that i have to put together <laughs> yeah. you know overrated <laughs> and, 
I assume that's where you're going with that. Yeah, I, I think you know, and and so I, I again, I just think that it's just that, like the word rustic. Ooh. That's another thing too. Provisions is another word that's become extremely yep. popular lately. Mm-hmm. I I don't like to eat place where I go to eat, but I will get some provisions right now. Or the word collaborative. Collaborative is a very good one. Yeah. Um, I mean, th- you're in the coffee world, bro. This, you know all those this restaurant. Words. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This coffee is a collaborative effort between mm-hmm. the farm, the mm-hmm. importer, and the roaster. Yeah. And you're like, that's literally how all business transactions work. Someone grows it. Someone yeah. has to send it to you when you make it. So, mm-hmm. like, that's so can, over, can overused. I, it's I'm, like direct trade in coffee. This might be almost like a little rant, but but when people agreement. Like, wait, no. Hold on to your seats. It's ranting time. Yeah. I'm totally going to get this machine, dude. Okay. And I'm just going to get your voice in it, by the yeah. way. Um, so w- one of the things is like when people name their dishes, like in a lot of cooking competitions, you see this where it's like, oh, um, we have here um, a watermelon salad with uh, fresh mint. And I'm like, of course it's fresh mint. You never say, ah, can we have some day old mint in here? Like, and even like the word fresh, they put the word fresh in front of everything. Oh, so I have this and this with some fresh sliced something. And it's like, yeah, we can see it's fresh and we can see it's sliced. Like you don't need to explain that. Like I thought that that was just something we're doing already when we're making food that we're, that this is fresh we're, or, or I've even seen people like name it. Oh, Oh, fresh knife cut slices. I'm like, yeah, what else are you going to cut it with? Like, you know, like, this is the exact same rant CJ had on the first episode about uh, episode about fresh brewed coffee. Yes, and the way he put it is like we're now serving beef. It's one hundred percent beef. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I, and I'm like, what are you trying to hide? Here's what, where I think that comes from is uh, food got so artificial and so bad in the fifties and sixties that all of a sudden there was like a period of time where having fresh or real food was like. Mm-hmm. A novelty. I understand, but like when you're on these like high like high top like, cooking shows, like restaurants, especially, yeah. or especially like like TV cooking shows, like why do you have to say it's fresh? Because like we know it's fresh. It better be fresh because you're in this like high competition show. It's not you're saying oh we have this like uh, you know this like kind of uh, kind of worn down like four day old mint I use. That's yeah. what I'd like to see. Yeah, you know, I'd like to see the place I get delivery from at two a.m. to just be honest about what I'm getting. They're like, yeah, this bread is. It's okay. Yeah, uh, but we're like gonna, it's right on it's right on that border of us throwing it out. Or, it's two a.m. You know? and you don't have any other options. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna get this two day old bread. We know why you called us at two a.m. Like, you didn't call us to get fresh. You know. Yeah, yeah. that's a very real. One. So like, just the way that people name their dishes sometimes to me is it kind of just like yeah, you just told me every ingredient that was in it that's the name of your dish and that's what deconstructed is <laughs> and then that's what to me that's what deconstruction is it's a part of a naming thing it's like oh it's a deconstructed da 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 and yeah. it's like i got a deconstructed latte once where no they way. gave me a shot of espresso and milk and i was like like the espresso is great i love espresso but then i was like i drank that first because you traditionally should drink espresso first and then all of a sudden i was like I'm just drinking a glass of milk. <laughs> like, Are you serious? Yes. Do they overcharge you too? Oh God, yes. Oh. I mean, it was in Seattle, and the second oh, I no. walked in, I was like, 
I know how I'm going to get treated the second I walk in here. Like I can just look around and see people and be like, yeah, I'm not, it's not going to be a, a pleasant experience. What, why is there that connection with like pompous? Like it's going away. Uh, you think so? yeah, I think cause the guys like you Rob, <laughs> I think in the early mid two thousands when third wave was like mm-hmm. first showing up, you kind of mm-hmm. had to do it to like immediately let customers know that's like, you should appreciate this, but it got really extreme really fast. So, can, it, that's really interesting because uh, one of my buddy Ryan, who runs you know Pilko Coffee, we always have the, this discussion because he doesn't come from the coffee world, you know, and and he he and he just felt like man, the coffee world is pretty snobbish sometimes, yeah. you know. And what's really interesting was I think, and and I see this in the food world too. I think that sometimes, like, because you you were such a small group. You know, together that, like, especially the third wave, mm-hmm. you guys are such a small group that it's like these little nuances, these little notes and tastes. It was like, it was really cool and special. Like, only a few of us knew. And then when the outside wanted to get in, I I feel like the third wave guys then became the bullies that they didn't like. Exactly. Which is super interesting because that's the same thing with the comic book world. That's the same thing with the Star Wars world. Because remember, they were the quote unquote geeks and weirdos who liked comic books and who liked Star Wars and all that stuff. Now Star Wars and comic book are so mainstream that those guys who used to be picked, you know, made fun of and picked on, now they're hating everybody who doesn't know all the nuances and who doesn't know all the name of like, you know, all the, you know, like fifth generation Skywalkers and whatever mm-hmm. that they've become the bullies that used to bully them, which is like something very interesting about, you know, social commentary is that one of my favorite lines from Batman, uh, Batman Begins, I think. No, 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 uh, from um, uh, Dark Knight Rises. Uh, Har- um, Harvey Dent, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Toothface. Uh, when Harvey Dent, he says, you either uh, die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. <laughs> one of my favorite lines. And I'm like, that's so, so true. I think. Sorry. No, I, no, I, no. I got away from food there a little bit. but No. Hold on to your seats. It's ranting time. I, here's my hot take. And this is something I've thought about a lot is like, mm-hmm. why do people get so defensive about mm-hmm. coffee? And why is it like this? You don't deserve to be here. You yep. shouldn't even be drinking mm-hmm. this coffee. Like, how dare you? And here's my hot take is like, unless you know a lot about coffee, when you taste these really high end coffees, mm-hmm. you won't really even know what's going on. So, mm-hmm. That person who knows everything about it wants you to taste it and have your mind blown. Mm -hmm. But it's not, if you have a great cup of coffee, Mm -hmm. the extreme high end of the coffee is going to, for the person that knows what they're talking about and like has tasted a bunch of coffees is going to appreciate the differences between the two. But for most people, that first cup of great coffee that they have is, that's what they need. Mm -hmm. And then the high end stuff is like not that different enough for them to like have their mind blown Mm -hmm. and so there's like this thing where i think there's this insecurity that if i were to give you this so like ben who owns fragment just brought in like this this uh washed mexican geisha and i was like what like i didn't even know mexico grew geishas like if i gave that to somebody and they were like huh this is pretty good Mm. like pretty good it's almost like this defense mechanism for like Mm -hmm. someone be like yes it's all right and you're like it reminds me of my beer days at Sam Adams. I got, I was one of those guys in the beer world. And I think this is why I never became this in coffees. I was the person 
that like if you invited me to a party, I'd be the guy that would bring one inconvenient bottle of beer yeah. and it would be like room temperature so you could get all the flavors yeah. and then like go around and make sure everybody tasted it and mm-hmm. like get their reaction. And uh, I had this $250 bottle of Sam Adams Utopias. It's the highest naturally fermented bottle of beer in the world at 27%. It's an American strong ale made with a yeast that's called ninja yeast the brewers at Sam Adams <laughs> the brewers at Sam Adams took a champagne strain of yeast which traditionally mm. ferments out to like 15% alcohol at the highest and they took the strongest of each batch mm. of yeast until it would ferment at 27% alcohol they would then age that 27% alcohol beer in brandy barrels maple syrup beer, barrels port wine barrels and then it's mm-hmm. it's it's still it's uncarbonated and the depth of flavor is unlike anything I've ever had mm-hmm. and I gave it to my close group of friends I gave them this little pour because you mm. can not find these bottles and they're like this is gross yeah and I like I had this earth shattering moment where I was like oh interesting just because I think this yeah. is amazing or I think this is the coolest thing that's ever been done in beer doesn't intrinsically make it good if it mm-hmm. doesn't just taste good yeah. And I think there's a similar thing in coffee where mm-hmm. because you know what's going on with this coffee, you need people. And so it's like this defense mechanism that if you don't know about coffee, mm-hmm. I don't even want you to have this coffee yeah. because it's going to it's going to give but you then that. that misses the whole point exactly. of why we do this. That's exactly right. Like you and I didn't get in this business so we can sit in a little corner with our four friends and be like, hey, dude, uh, do you feel that? You see that? You know, you know what I did there? Like we didn't we didn't do that. Like. If this stuff is not shared for other people to bring enjoyment, like so for other people can enjoy or not enjoy or or just to open their minds to something new that you're trying, then what's the point? You know? yeah, it's, it, it's like we're in the business of making things that taste great and you shouldn't have to have a formal education to know why. Exactly, and, and that and that's like really what Folly is built on mm-hmm. was this idea, and it, the, my beer former beer life of being that yeah. guy was really played into it. Was that like you shouldn't need to know anything about this? And here's the other side. I think of the insecurity, and then my rant is over. Is that it's almost like if someone doesn't think it tastes great, then everything you're working towards, you're like, what am I doing? Yeah, you question your life. What am yep. I doing? Why do I care so much about this thing yeah. that this person tasted and they yeah. don't even think it tastes good? Yeah. And meanwhile, I just want somebody, like, you shouldn't have to be present and explain mm-hmm. what's happening with that coffee and tell them why it tastes good. You should not even have to be there, have them taste it and be like, oh, this is a great coffee. And then that's, for most people, that's the end of it. Oh, I mm-hmm. like this roaster now because this is a great coffee. Yeah. And I don't need to be there and like belittle you about how yeah. little you know. <laughs> yeah. Because I think that then it becomes an ego thing. Because I think that once your ego is wrapped up in it, yeah. then it becomes like a, well, how dare you? Yeah. You know, and then you start viewing people as they come in, you know, to your coffee shop, your restaurant, whatever, as like, oh, they don't even know. Yeah. They don't know. They don't know. And this is not to be confused mm-hmm. with like, oh, you shouldn't care. You shouldn't yeah. be this passionate. Yep. You shouldn't continue to go down that rabbit hole mm-hmm. of like learning everything. Mm-hmm. But like I tell Jeff this, that like the top 15 coffee taster in the country, this yeah. dude is continuing to learn more yep. about coffee, even though to most of our customers, mm-hmm. it will never be something they learn about. Because if we're going to be able to bring those coffees to people, we need to know yeah. everything about it. So, so one of the things my buddy's wife, uh, my buddy's wife always says to me, he's, she's just like, it blows my mind, yeah, the kind of food that you like eating. Like, she's like, you make all this, like, high-end blah, 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 but then you'll have, like, the, you know, like, you'll have, like, a picture of those, like, uh, pink snowball, you know, whatever things, like, you're eating, or 
you'll stop at McDonald's or you'll, you'll eat at Wendy's. And I'm like, yeah, because it's like at the end of the day, like my, like my self-worth isn't wrapped up in like, oh, did you understand that we aged this like this and we fermented this that way and we did this and th-? like, it's not wrapped up in that stuff. It's fun because I get jacked up about it. But man, like if, if you want to just make some ham and cheese sandwiches and sit down and eat too, like I'm down, like. No, like, do you know what I'm saying? So. It's the same way that, like, if someone's trying to tell me that, like, a vanilla frappuccino doesn't taste good, you're wrong. It's, it's like, <laughs> it's awesome. You're, you're just wrong. Yeah. Like, it's it's literally just sugar and vanilla. And yeah. you're like, that's delicious. It's like, a milkshake with, you know, like, coffee flavor. And the second you meet someone that's a coffee <laughs> yeah. person, that's like, well, it's not for me. I actually, I hate it. Yeah. I hate how it tastes. You go, no, you don't. Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying this is going to be your coffee every day, but yeah. you can't tell me it doesn't taste This good. is the exact reason why i love watching all the fast and furious movies you know it's like it's not gonna win an oscar but man they're fun to watch yeah the guy jumped his car high enough that the back of his car clips the bomb deactivates the bomb while spinning his car in the midair then lands and yeah cool and then vin diesel says a line that i could predict 10 minutes ago yes and that's exactly what you need and his one-liners i always use in life you know because you know I live my life a quarter mile at a time, <laughs> you know? And it's like, it's, it's important yeah. that, that like to know that. Yeah. And the thing is the farther, the further you get away from that, the more connection you lose with who's consuming what you're doing. Exactly. And when you do that, you are going to over time lose those people because they're going to, you're going to not even realize you're doing it, yeah. but you're, you're going to be isolate person. yourself. Yeah. And you're going to have a menu that isolates. And then people. you become a butthole. Don't be a butthole. That's, I think you that's know? a very good way to live life. That's, that's why I have that uh, yeah. on my bumper. And I think that's why we can have conversations like this, the overrated, underrated conversation, you exactly. know, exactly. Um, let's go, let's finish with some quick, okay. overrated, underrated, very short explanation okay. as to why for each of, uh, okay. each of these next five. Uh, and then we're going to end on one topic. And okay. then I think that's going to be the episode. All right. First, one condiment ketchup what your thoughts overrated underrated probably uh overrated 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 short short explanation why sweet tomato sauce jam that's to me it's like me it's sugar tomato paste it's gross mustard uh underrated underrated (gasps) i am going to say appropriately rated appropriately rated conflict of opinion uh, Debate now. <laughs> that reminds me of Mortal Kombat. Like finish him. That was my exact thought in recording. Um, that. Uh, it there's a there's a lot there's a bunch of different kinds of mustards, and I think that people have to understand what mustard goes with what. Mm-hmm. You know, I think uh, something like a stone ground authentic like German style mustard vastly mm-hmm. underrated. Uh, mm-hmm. Yellow mustard, yellow sugar mustard that Heinz makes yeah. overrated. So therefore, yeah. I went appropriately rated. Yeah. But that being said, that yellow mustard slaps on a corn dog. Yes. Uh, next one, aioli. Uh, overrated. Overrated. I will. Ag- I will agree with you. Agreement. Um. It's mayonnaise. It's mayo. <laughs> it's a really cool term for mayo. It's a f- extra $5 mayo. It's basically what you said about rice having salt. Yeah. You're like, you're just adding an yeah. ingredient into the mayo and yeah. then calling it a cool term and charging an extra dollar. Yeah. Yeah. You can, you can make aioli anything. Like this is sriracha aioli. Yeah. You mean you put sriracha in mayo. You put sriracha yeah. in mayo and now I'm going to charge you an extra dollar for yep. barbecue sauce. Uh, appropriately rated. Appropriately rated. I agree with that Agreement. too. Agreement. 
Mm-hmm. I think barbecue sauce is probably the biggest ranging sauce that you have. Yep. And because of that, I think it's appropriately rated because it's like it's an excellent condiment that everybody seems to enjoy, but no mm-hmm. one gets overhyped or underhyped about. Is ketchup considered a barbecue sauce? I Because then you have, to de- you have to define barbecue sauce, right? Yeah. And we don't have time for that yeah. today. Uh, last one here. Pesto. Uh. Overrated. Overrated. I say underrated. <gasps> oh, I think pesto is greatly underused. I think basil is fantastic, mm-hmm. and it's something that we just do not incorporate into nothing's except for pasta. Uh, I can see where you're coming from. That I grew up, or I, I grew up working in a Italian restaurant, so it was like pesto everything. So it was like the base of every sauce, <laughs> and I was just like, oh, I'm just so done with pesto. So that's right. more of a uh, experience, you know, like a life experience. You're over it. Last mm-hmm. one here. Yeah, here we go. I think I know what this one is about. This isn't a condiment. This is a meal. Yep. And it is brunch. Mm. Do you think that brunch is overrated, underrated, or appropriately rated? Gosh. How about you go first? I think it is underrated. Underrated. (gasps) I would agree with you. (gasps) Underrated. (gasps) Agreement. Yes. That is not what I expected. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, here's the thing. I come from two worlds. I love eating brunch. I hate cooking brunch as a service. Interesting. As a service. Like, All right, let's. I got let's, brunched let's, out. Let's cooking. Let's split this into two here. Yeah. Let's go cooking brunch. Overrated, underrated, appropriately. I would. <laughs> well, I would say cooking brunch is overrated. Like, overrated. You know, because it's like, oh, I'm gonna get so much crap for this. Because it's like, oh man, like. You know, the night before, you're, you know, you get done working, it's late, and then, but you have to be up by like seven. <laughs> you know, and it's just like, you know, you have dinner service the night before. Yeah, you're if up you to, end at reasonably say two, midnight. Yeah, midnight, you're out yeah. the door, and then you get a little bit of sleep. You're up yeah. in there at seven, yeah. and and then here's where I could totally see why cooking for it and even serving brunch mm-hmm. would also be extremely overrated. Mm-hmm. Is brunch? That's my time. Mm-hmm. I'm avoiding the Sunday scaries. When I do mm-hmm. brunch, I'm waking up and this is, I'm going to treat myself. You know what? I'm going to be bad. I'm going to get a mimosa. Oh, <laughs> oh, it's it's bottomless here. I'm going to get a Bloody yeah. Mary and you just treat yourself. And you know, you're like, it's kind of this time where you're going to be sassy and like, I'm going to get those eggs and pancakes and everybody's just a little extra sassy during brunch. So you know, the thing I learned about brunch too is when people come eat brunch, they're kind of like, I can make this at home. But I'm choosing to come because I want to support you. And then, and then you get snobby people. That that's what I think creates snobby. Like, hash brown, eggs, and bacon. Psh, I can get this at home. But you should see that like there's that attitude of like you should be happy because I'm here. That's interesting. And so brunch is almost less about the food because most people are like, I could cook this if I wanted to, but. You now it's going back to the happy hour thing where like consumers mm-hmm. create their own demands yeah. of you where it's like you need to have an insane yeah. drink special to entice me to and be brunch here. and this is the part where I'm gonna get some pushback is brunch looks different for every culture but the but the only thing that like like the thing that people want for brunch is like eggs some kind of potatoes and some kind of protein like salty protein so the way that Hmong people we do brunch we'll do like kodi which is like a konji. Most people won't like most. When I say most people, I, I mean like most white people won't don't want that. It's it's a rice porridge, but I go, hey, you guys do oatmeal, you know, you do grits, 
but you wouldn't do a rice porridge, you know? And then the other thing too is like for, for us, for, for a lot of what, like we don't really have breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Like that's, we don't have, a, we just have food. We just have food you eat. So like, so like the way that I would like us to set up our brunch menu for the new, new restaurant is really just focus on like, what is some really good, what is some food that we eat that like when you wake up in the morning, you're like, man, this is like, this hits the spot. So a lot of it consists around soups and different kinds of noodles. But noodles is always considered either a lunch or a dinner thing. And it's like the burger. You're like, I'm not having a burger at 10 a.m. It's got an egg on it. Oh, my oh, gosh. Not. I'll in. have it. Yeah. Oh, a breakfast burger? Sure. You can put the word breakfast in front of anything. So that's why I think that sometimes brunch is very uh, Western focus on the, the kinds of food you eat. You know, And so, so really one of the things we're trying to do is kind of say, how do we uh, peel that back and say, hey, we, we want you to tr- eat some really great food. That for us in the mornings, like this is what it reminds me of, you know. So like go away from it. So it's like, oh, you go in there and eat brunch and go, oh, I really couldn't make this at home. I've never had this before. And it could change the perception around it. Mm -hmm. Here's why I think it's underrated in terms of consuming is this is an example where it is already extremely popular. Mm -hmm. But I think I've realized this year why it's underrated, because obviously we can't really go out Mm -hmm. to eat. Brunch is one of those meals that nobody goes to brunch in any sort of a bad mood. Yeah, You don't wake up in the morning on a Sunday and go, I'm feeling neutral or kind of mm-hmm. grumpy. I'm going to go out for brunch. Brunch is where you're like, you know what? I'm going to wake up and have myself a day. Mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meet up with friends and we're going to have brunch. Mm-hmm. And there is a vibe about brunch that maybe it makes me basic, but at a good brunch where everybody's vibing, yeah. there's something in the air on the consumer side that is like, it's unlike any other meal. Like dinner's kind of, you know, everybody plans dinners mm-hmm. and by the end of the day, something might have happened during the day. Mm-hmm. You might have had a stressful one. You go, oh, I, I'm not going to bail on my dinner plans. I'm still mm-hmm. going to go. Brunch, it's the first thing you do in the day. There's nothing else you're doing ahead. And so you are waking up with the intention of being in a good mood and treating yourself to some brunch. Yeah. I, you know, and, and, and when it comes to brunch too, for me, like a lot of times the question is like, do people do sweet brunch or a savory brunch? Cause I mean, I know people that just go and they'll down like 15 waffles and they call that brunch. And I'm like, dude, you just had cake with syrup, on that, dude. you know? And so, uh, yeah, so that's the other thing. Uh, but one of the things is just like the, why I say it's underrated. Cause I just would love to challenge people to think outside of, you know, your, I got my, you know, egg over easy with my, you know, whatever here, you know? And just to say, hey, what what do other people, what do other cultures, how do they view brunch? Love that. You know, that's not just eggs, potatoes, and, you know, bacon or ham, you know. I think there's no better way to end this episode than on that thought. A thought-provoking thought about brunch. <laughs> I did not think that's where that we were going to yeah. finish this episode out. Uh, and so I will end it like I do every other episode and say have a nice day. <laughs>